Hey everybody, my name is Dwayne Burkhardt and you are either watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast service of your choice to Season 2, Episode 5 of The Rugby Report. Now before we start today, as those of you who watch The Rugby Report on YouTube know, I've been dealing with a fairly serious issue in one of my eyes for the last nine months. It's required a couple of pretty major surgeries and it's been quite the journey. But today, as you can see, you can see me. And for the first time in a while, I can see you. So if you see me wearing dark sunglasses on the broadcast again, hopefully it'll just be because I'm trying to look cool. Seriously, I'm very grateful for all the good thoughts and support that I received. Now let's talk rugby. This week we have Super Rugby. We have Six Nations. We have MLR. We have rugby. So let's go. We start as we always do on the International Dateline, where the sun rises on rugby and have our weekly look at the Super Rugby Pacific League. And we start there in Wellington, where the Hurricanes hosted the Waratahs. Both teams came into the game after disappointing losses last week, but with that said, this game went pretty much exactly the way I thought it would. In fact, if anything, it could have been a lot worse for the Waratahs. As I've noted before, the Taz are better and tougher than they were a few years ago, but they were also very opportunistic in this game scoring two of their three tries on, frankly, freak luck plays. But without that luck, this game would have been a blowout. That said, it was only a five-point game at the break, but in the second half, the Hurricanes shut the door, and there were two Canes players in this game that I need to single out. First, scrum half Cam Roygaard. I'm not exactly ready to say TJ who when it comes to who should start for this team once Perinera is healthy again, But this kid is now on my radar. He had a spectacular game with a pair of tough tries. And the other player is someone I highlighted in one of my rugby short videos at the end of last year, and that would be Waiseki Naholo's little brother, Kinney. Kinney, I should say younger brother. I shouldn't say say little brother because he's not little. Kinney Naholo rewrote a portion of the college record books when he was in school, but since moving to the pros, we hadn't really yet seen him live up to either his potential or his brother's reputation. But you know what? In this game, we may very well have seen the birth of the superstar that Kenny Naholo can become. His two tries in this game showed signs of greatness. And if I were a team facing the Hurricanes anytime soon, I'd be watching him very carefully. In any case, the full-time score was Hurricanes 34, Waratahs 17. Saturday's action began in Hamilton, where it was Kids' Day at FMG Stadium as the undefeated Chiefs hosted the Melbourne Rebels. The Chiefs rested several key starters for this game, and it showed. Starters Brody Retallick, Sam Kane, and Brad Weber all took the day off. Damian McKenzie was supposed to join them, but ended up suiting up in the 23 jersey at the last minute because of an issue with Josh Ioane, and he did play the last 10 minutes of the game. But for the most part, There were a lot of new faces on the field for the Chiefs. And again, you could tell. The first 15 minutes of this game absolutely belonged to the Rebels as they jumped out to a lead and controlled both possession and territory. But then Rebels star player Reese Hodge had to be taken off due to a serious injury to his hand. And for no reason in particular, his departure from the game had a very strange side effect. It was as if both teams suddenly looked at each other and collectively decided that neither team was going to play defense for the next 40 minutes. And they were instead going to just run up and down the field, scoring lots of points. And just like that, the scoring festival was on. 
By the 55th minute, there were more points in the game than there were minutes. And even though the Chiefs were safely way ahead, it looked like we were going to see a bunch more points scored. Except we didn't, because after 40 minutes of fun in the sun, and it was a gorgeous day in Hamilton, both teams just as quickly seemed to say, Oh yeah, defense. I remember that. And that was the end of the scoring. The Chiefs' defense was much better in the second half, giving up only one very late try, and that was way after the game was well in hand. And the full-time score was Chiefs 44, Rebels 25. We head up Highway 1 to Eden Park for the next game, a game that I said might very well be the game of the season so far. And well, it was. It was a rematch of last year's championship game as the Auckland Blues hosted the Crusaders, and at this point in the season... I have to say that I came into this game a little worried about the Blues. Yes, they were 2-1, and one, but they were hardly dominant in their win last week against the Hurricanes, and frankly, they've had trouble in the second half of their last two games. And this game looked like it was going to be a third. As they have all year, the Blues jumped out to a substantial lead, only to give it away again for the third time in four games. But this time, down 10 in the second half, it was the Blues who mounted a comeback and then relied on fierce defense, holding the Crusaders to just three points for the rest of the game. But the Blues weren't the only team playing great defense, and as I predicted last week, the Crusaders saw this as a statement game, and they wanted to be the ones making the statement. The last 15 minutes of this game was like watching a prize fight between two top contenders who were just pounding on each other. The Blues had their chances but they just lived by the sword last week, and they died by it this week. The full-time score, Blues 28, Crusaders 34. We spent Saturday night in the Aussie capital where the Brumbies hosted Moana Pacifica in a game that leads me to this statement. Right now, the Canberra Brumbies are the best team in the league. Period. Moana hasn't won a game yet, but two of their three losses were in the last minute of very close games. And while the final score of this game wasn't that close, the game was, well into the second half, a lot closer and more exciting than I think a lot of us thought it was going to be. This game featured 98 points scored and five lead changes. And Moana had the lead significantly into the second half. But then the Brumbies put the hammer down, scoring four tries in a row and shutting the door on Pacifica's hopes for an upset. The full-time score was Brumbies 62, Pacifica 36. Sunday's action began not in beautiful Forsyth Bar Stadium in Dunedin, which is what I said in last week's report, because I just assumed that's where the game was, but all the way down in Rugby Park in Invercargill, home of my favorite hard luck NPC rugby team, the Southland Stags. And if you just looked at the unis in this game and didn't know who was playing, you could be forgiven for thinking it was an NPC game between the Stags and the Taranaki Bulls. Seriously, since when are the Force wearing yellow and black? But it wasn't, of course. It was the Highlanders hosting the Western Force. The Highlanders hadn't lost a game in Invercargill since 2013, and they'd won their last five in a row against the Force. But number six would not be easy. This game was about as evenly matched a battle as I've seen this year. I lost count of how many lead changes there were in this game, but it was a lot. Back and forth they went, in wet and slippery conditions. It really was anyone's game until there was about 15 minutes left, when the Highlanders pulled away and took a three-possession lead. 
which they needed because the Force scored two tries in the last four minutes. But it wasn't enough, and the Highlanders hung on to win so that I could finally wear my Highlanders kit today. Full-time score, Highlanders 43, Force 35. And finally this week, I owe a massive apology to my viewers and listeners in the Brisbane area, and to the Reds and the Drua in particular, because while you got to see my prediction, I accidentally edited out the preview of their game in last week's episode. Sorry guys, won't happen again. How did the game go? Well, the end result was what I predicted, but the game sure didn't go that way. It was a hot day in Brisbane, and the Reds opened the game by stealing a page from the Drua's playbook, in that it was the Reds who were quick and opportunistic early and seemed to be well in control of the game. At one point in the second half, the Reds had a fairly commanding 21-point lead, 24-3, and they would need it, because as the game went on, the Heat seemed to drain the energy out of the Reds and pump it into the Drua, who came sailing back into the game, and before you knew it, with eight minutes to play, it was a three-point game, and the Drua were driving. But the Reds had just enough left in the tank to hold on, and I mean hold on, for the narrow victory. Full-time score was Reds 27, Drua 24. Checking in now on how I am doing this season, I came into round four 11-7 on the season, and this week I was... 6-0! Yay! It's my first perfect week of the season, and it brings my season total to 17-7, which is far closer to my average. Now let's have a look at round five coming up. Round five starts on Friday night with a game that could very easily be a preview of this year's championship as the Crusaders host the undefeated and red-hot Canberra Brumbies. This is the hardest game of the year so far to predict, and I will absolutely not be surprised either way. But since I had to pick someone, even though the Crusaders appear to finally be finding their groove, and they'll be at home. I'm going to go way out on a limb here and say that the Brumbies will upset the Crusaders and remain undefeated. Brumbies win. Saturday's action starts in Sydney where the Waratahs will host the Chiefs. I don't think the Chiefs can rest four of their starters against the Waratahs and win the game as they did this weekend against the Rebels, but I don't think they're planning to do that, and I think they will win this game. Chiefs win. Next up, my Highlanders will host the Drua in a game that will, in my opinion, determine the fate of the Highlanders this season. If the Highlanders win this game, they have a chance at a decent season. And if they don't, I think it might be time for the coaches and New Zealand rugby to seriously consider pulling and resting Aaron Smith and letting him start to prepare for the World Cup. That said, as tough as the Drua are, I can't pick against my Highlanders at home. Highlanders win. On Saturday night, Moana Pacifica finally returns home after their three-week Aussie road trip. Unfortunately, they return home to face the Hurricanes. Moana continues to play far better rugby than their 0-4 record, but the Hurricanes are on fire and getting hotter every week, and I just don't see them losing focus in this game. Hurricanes win. Sunday's action starts in Melbourne, where the Rebels host the Queensland Reds in a game that might be a lot closer than I thought it would have been a few weeks ago. Even with the injury to Reese Hodge still an unknown as we record this show, the fact is that the Rebels have been improving of late. But will that be enough to upset the Reds? 
Well, I'll believe it when I see it. But until then, the Reds win. And we end round five in Auckland, where the Blues will face the force. The Blues are desperate for consistency, but with or without it, I still think they win this game. Blues win. Checking in on European action, the URC is still on spring break this week, but there are some huge games coming up next weekend, which will have massive postseason implications. Number one, Leinster will play the number two Stormers in a game that could easily be a preview of this year's championship. A bit farther down the table, the number four Warriors will play fifth-ranked Munster. And finally, watch out for number three Ulster playing the sixth-ranked Bulls in a game that's not likely to affect Ulster, but could have a major effect on the last few playoff spots. But let's talk about the big story in Europe, the Six Nations Tournament, which I have obviously been watching, but not commenting on here on the Rugby Report. And then France crushed England last week, and I said, wait, what? So let's peek in, shall we? This weekend, Scotland downed Italy 26-14, making my youngest daughter very happy. France cruised through a now deeply troubled Welsh team 41-28. And Ireland joined the pile-on party and took down England 29-16. Crossing the Atlantic Pond now, we finish in the USA, and we see a big weekend in the MLR. But first, let me acknowledge another wait-what moment from last weekend regarding the game that was in progress while I was recording last week's episode. The previously winless and frankly hapless Nola Gold handily took down the first-place defending champion New York Ironworkers. That is the Nola team that I expected to see at the beginning of this season. But would they be able to do it again? Well, we didn't have to wait long since Nola led off the action this weekend, facing off against the Utah Warriors. And for the second week in a row, the NOLA Gold dominated the game, easily winning their second bonus point win in a row, and they downed the Warriors 37-14, creating quite a logjam in the Eastern Conference, which we'll get to in a moment. Atlanta then hosted San Diego in a battle of second-place teams in their respective conferences. Well, they were second-place teams, but after the Legion's decisive win, they are now atop the West, as someone predicted before the season. Me? and Atlanta fell in the East. Next, the DC Old Glory crushed the Toronto Arrows 29-3, and also yesterday, in a game with likely no playoff implications, but still near and dear to my heart, my Chicago Hounds took on the Dallas Jackals, and after losing two close heartbreakers in a row, the Hounds turned the tables, got their first win, and beat the Jackals in their third straight nail-biter. The full-time score, Hounds 24 Jackals, 22. Finally this weekend, there is a big game in the East going on right now as New York is hosting the New England Free Jacks. Now, obviously, this game will have major implications for both teams in the Eastern Conference, but after last week, I am absolutely not going to make a call on this game. Now, let's have a quick look at the tables. In the West, the San Diego Legion are now on top of the Western Conference, with the Seattle Seawolves and the Houston Sabercats right behind them. While the Utah Warriors are deep in fourth, the Chicago Hounds are suddenly alive in fifth, and Dallas? Dallas is still looking for their first win. In the East, well, it's a mess right now. Currently, the D.C. Old Glory are in first place, pending the result of this afternoon's game, of course. 
And then there is, as we record this episode, a four-way tie for second place between New York, New England, New Orleans, and New Atlanta. It's just Atlanta, but, you know, I kind of felt like they were being left out. And the Toronto Arrows are not out of it, but they are deep behind in last place. And that brings us all the way back around to the world, folks. So we will sadly sunset Season 2, Episode 5 of the Rugby Report. Thank you all for watching and or listening. And until next time, remember, I still don't trust tennis players. Because love means nothing to them. See you next time. Bloopers. And they were instead going to just run up the score, run up and down the field, score a lot of points, and I'm going to do that again. But the Blues weren't the only team playing great defense. I hate Sunday's action began not in beautiful... Little T first. T always makes it better. I need that on a t-shirt. game was, but all the way down in Rugby Park... In Bugby Park, it's Rugby... I know what... You know what? I've seen games there. All right. One more time. Home of my favorite hard luck NPC team, the Southland Stags. And if you'd looked at... On Saturday night, Moana Pacifica finally returned home after their... After... T. T is the the universal solution to that. To the... Sunday's action starts in Melbourne, where the Rebels will host the Queenland... The Queenland? The Queen? It's it, there. It's actually multiple queens. I've never quite understood that. Are there multiple queens? I'll bet somewhere in Brisbane there's multiple queens. <laughs> in a game that might be a lot closer than I thought it would have been a que- a, que- a, que- a Wow. <laughs> I don't think T can fix that. No, 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 no. Ah, that's what I meant. One more time. I'm reading my own script going, what did I mean? What am I saying? And when I don't know what I'm saying, that's when we're in trouble. All right. Let's quick... That's called getting too many words stuck in your mouth at the same time. And that T will fix.